The information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All information contained on or related to this podcast is for general information purposes only. Lisa, I'm super excited um, for our episode today. I'm super excited-er than <gasps> you are. We've got Eric. Not that it's a competition. No, we're here with Eric, who is just phenomenal. And, you know, our topic today is going to be talking about ostomy. And this is something, honestly, we have not touched on in our episodes. And um, we want to make sure that we're including everybody in the RIBD community. This is Guts and Glory. Just a little background on Eric. Eric is the founder of veganostomy.ca, which is a website that's dedicated to helping those living with an uh, ostomy or with IBD. He was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2008, and since his diagnosis, he's been on most conventional and alternative treatments Mm -hmm. without any luck. We've heard this story, haven't we? Um, As a result of Crohn's disease, he's also developed severe perianal disease, which has also, um, he cannot keep controlled. Unfortunately, so in August of 2013, he was left with no choice but to have surgery to remove his entire colon. Wow. And in November of the same year, he had his rectum removed as well. Um, so he has been living with a permanent ileostomy, and he's here. Welcome, Eric. Welcome. We're so glad happy to, to have you. Thank you. I'm glad okay, to be here. so just start off for our listeners who have no idea what an ostomy is, mm-hmm. tell us what that is. Yeah, so an ostomy is a surgically created opening, um, usually somewhere around the abdomen. And there are different types of ostomies. Um, Now, the the location of the ostomy or the type of ostomy will determine how you call it. So a lot of people will say colostomy and they'll kind of use that as a general term. That's that's not correct for everyone. Mm -hmm. So colostomy is usually when someone has had their, uh, or someone has had their stoma created through their colon. And a stoma is the opening. That's that the comes actual, out of the yeah, that's right the name of the actual opening. Um, I have an ileostomy, so my ostomy is situated uh, where the ileum would be. Because um, your entire colon was removed. Right. Other people uh, might have a urostomy, so that would be related to the bladder. Mm-hmm. So there are different... And those are a bit higher, aren't they, in the urostomy? Yeah, I think there's some more in the center, yeah. y- usually with uh, colostomies because of how our colon um, loops around. Yeah, so that would usually be on the left side, although some people may have their stoma in a different area depending on how their actual gut is or yeah, what their surgeon feels is more appropriate. So I would assume then yours is on the right. Mine's on the right, Right. yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that's generally what an ostomy is. Now, there are many reasons to have an ostomy. Um, I have mine because of Crohn's disease, Mm -hmm. but there are many other reasons, cancer, trauma, uh, that sort of thing. So it's it's a pretty big, uh, pretty big surgery, I I would say. Now, Eric, before we start talking about the surgery um, from your perspective, I know you use the term ostomate, and even though I do not have an ostomy or a colostomy or any of these things, I do now refer to it as ostomate. I've known you for a few years now, and being an avid follower of your website and your you know, Instagram and your Facebook, veganostomy.ca. Mm-hmm. Veganostomy.ca is an amazing website. Um, I use the term ostomate myself. But for our listeners, Lisa, for yes. Lisa. For me. Yeah, for, for Lisa. 
What does what do you mean when you say ostimate? An, an ostimate is is a person that has an ostomy. It's no, a mate. It's a friend. It's, it's, it's an ostomate. <laughs> that's right. I I don't know if that's the you know the the medical term for it. I don't know what you know. Doctors would probably say someone with an ostomy, mm -hmm. but you know. Why why all those words? I, I don't know. It's, it's simplified. We, we simplified. like efficient language. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Ostomate makes good. sense, and and we it run. Sounds with like it. your buddy so. who has. Had an ostomy. That's you right. Know? You're an ostomate. Exactly. Yeah. So it's when, also a little futuristic sounding, by the yeah. way. So when you discuss in our in our podcast ostomate, everyone's going to understand what you're meaning. Yes, at this point, I hope so. Yes. Which is important to point out. So um, you know, we're going to spend this episode talking about surgery. You know, having Eric here, an expert, based on you know all of the work he does in the field, yeah. and having an ostomy himself, having an ileostomy himself. And I know one of the things that comes up. Um, it's the fear, Eric. It's it's terrifying. I uh, I'm assuming when you were told you needed to have this surgery, like how did you feel? Tell us about that. Yeah, no, that's 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 a big part. Some people go into the surgery knowing that they're going to have the surgery. They have time to plan. Um, there's a lot more they can do in that time. Like or, it was a it was a, a process with their doctor, right? As opposed right. It's to discussed. an emergency. Exactly, it's discussed. And then your other people wake up with with a stoma and, and they think, what the hell is going on here? Oh, you mean that they were just it's out? Emergency, yeah. It was an emergency. Yep. And, yeah. and you know, I've heard of people, a friend of mine, uh, a teenager actually, he was, he was just supposed to have a temporary ostomy. Um, but unfortunately, after the month period, couple of months that had passed, when the doctor went back in, he, they found out this needs to be permanent. So, I, you know, it's one thing to have to deal with having the surgery, then to think it's only temporary, then to learn that it's permanent, is, is a lot of process. Yeah, in, in my case, the, the discussion around having an ostomy was um, along the lines of, hey, this is going to be a temporary thing because we need oh. to give your bowels a rest. Right. Why don't we see you know, if this is the way to go? And unfortunately, um, when I was scoped... Before the surgery or afterwards? You no, know, before the surgery. Because okay. I, I, was actually, I was actually in a clinical trial. Okay. So there was a whole process to get to where I was. Right. And so they had to they had to do kind of like a final scope to to see where I was at. Of course. And uh, that's when he said, you know what, it, it looks a lot worse than we expected mm. uh, at this point. So then the conversation changed from, you know, hey, why don't temporary we think about a temporary ostomy to I think a permanent ostomy is probably more appropriate for you. What's the process that goes on for you when you find out that it's going to be like emotionally yeah mean? emotionally yeah. yeah well psychologically I, I was probably more devastated hearing that it would be a temporary ostomy that really freaked me out because i didn't know what that meant i didn't know like is that mean i'm going to be just bed bound all the time like what does that mean what does that mean was, to have an ostomy this was what, about five years after you were diagnosed yeah so yeah this would have been yeah. four years ago but it yeah. would have been yeah years after and i had i had never really looked at ostomies as, no, of as part of an IBD medication. treatment, right? Right. I thought it was all medication. Surgery was kind of like last resort. You don't, you know, but an ostomy was something that was really not on my radar at that point. Um, so when, when the topic came up, I, you know, I kind of freaked out. I didn't know what that meant Google. for me. And then I Google. And in, a, in, in, a, in one way, Google actually helped Saved me this you? time because I ran <laughs> into yeah. other people that had an ostomy or have an ostomy and they were advocating and they were putting up videos and it was really cool to see, you know, like, hey, what do, you, what do you mean you can do, like, you can play sports yeah, now, you can really? Go swimming? You, you can travel? What? Girls yeah. wearing fitted clothing? 
with ostomy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, yeah, you can have a family, you can do all these things. And I thought, well, maybe it's not as bad as what I had in my head, right? So then as I, as I kind of learned more about it, I just became more comfortable with the idea. And this was before the surgery. So, so I how had, long like, did you have then? It was less than two months. Because okay. I, I was in to see a surgeon pretty quick. Pretty quickly, and then yeah. it was like, okay, so when, when do you want to come in this. to do this? Yeah. Because by that point, it was, it was pretty severe. Um, and actually when I was on, after the surgery, my surgeon had said uh, you were perforated. So there were, there were issues mm. going on there that needed to be addressed. Right. And Between it, the it really colonoscopy and the surgery, in that two months that happened? I, I probably know when it happened because oh. I, a few days before the surgery, just something came over me and I was in extreme pain. I explain what perforated means for our I've listeners. What's that mean? Well, it's essentially when your, your bowel has a, a hole in it or um, a tear, something like mm -hmm. that. So I, and I, I can almost imagine that's probably when it happened because it was this pain that I've never felt. And I, I had been in pain for, for years. Of course. But this was a very different oh, yeah. type of pain and it was in a, in a spot that was very uncommon for it to be at the time. And, and that kind of worried me. And then I thought, you know what? It's like a couple of days to surgery. See, we yeah. try to sleep it off. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Probably was not a good decision, to be honest, because perforations are, can be very dangerous. Yes. Very dangerous. I, I went through one and I do remember that pain that you're describing. I woke up with it in the middle of the night and was oh, like, like, as if somebody had stabbed me yeah. in the side and I broke out in a, in a cold sweat and I'll never forget it. I mean, you do, I have had a child I can't remember that pain, but I can remember the pain of yeah. the perforation. Oh my it's God. something it was else. Very, yeah, very, oh very my bad. God. And it's nothing like what you've been experiencing, <laughs> you know, up until that point. Yeah. So you go, you've had two months to prepare yourself. So how did you feel emotionally, mentally, going into the surgery? Going in, like the actual day going in? Terrified? No, I was oh. like, man, I was, we're counting the days. We had a calendar. My kids well, and I set up a calendar. Can you imagine going this, this with all this pain too? Yeah. yeah. Of oh course yeah, I had no, by that point, I had no quality of life, right? Like I had, oh, my, my wife God. had to wheelchair me into the hospital. It was oh, kind of God. like, this is, you know, this is like enough. Uh, so, you know, a month leading up to the surgery, we had a calendar, almost like those Christmas calendars right. where you kind of- get the rings the and days. rip them off. We had one of those going and it was like a countdown and we were like, we, I just can't wait to get in there, you know? Yeah. Um, so by that point I was like, let's just get this over with. I just want to move yeah. on with life, yeah. right? Uh, but let me just backtrack just a little bit because before the surgery happens, you know, I went in to see the surgeon. We, we talked about that. Um, I got to see a stoma nurse at one point and oh, she great. kind of explained, you know, here, here's what an ostomy appliance is. This is what an ostomy bag is. Um, you know, this is kind of where it's going to go and this is how you put it on. So now what hospital like were you at? Mount Sinai Mount si in Toronto. Very Mount good Sinai. place. Phenom That's my place. Phenomenal, phenomenal my place. Uh, people there. That made me feel more comfortable. So and that's she really nice. We want to point out that patient process, having that patient process, having your surgeon talk to you, having an IBD, having a stoma nurse speaking to you, that's, that's huge. It and is. I think it's the mental and emotional aspect of just having IBD in general yeah. that we always skip. It's, it's not taken care of well enough. Yeah. So it's comforting to know that when you're prepping for a surgery like this, at, at least at Mount Sinai, and that's it, happening. It's important to uh, remind people too that you do have a choice when you have a diagnosis. You don't have to go to whatever hospital. You don't have you to go, go to first. whatever hospital. You can seek the best treatment. Yeah, particularly ask for you're living opinion. in Canada. You can get to. It's worth driving in from Oshawa 
to Toronto to come visit or your a place like Mount Sinai, whatever city you live in, it's yeah. get to a place That's where important. they have expert care. So the so stoma nurse comes in and talks to you. She 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 actually gave me like a little sample pack with which had a couple bags in there and you know just some pamphlets and, and stuff like that. So I actually had a chance to put on an appliance on my abdomen. Without a like stoma a, Yeah, like a week before the surgery, just Wear to kind of see how it was. Right, yeah, right, exactly. Right. So that was that was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, showing my kids, this is kind of what, what I'm going to wear like, yeah. and, and that sort of thing. And your kids so, were young at the time. They're still young. They were really young, yeah. Yeah, they're really young yeah, at that they point. They were really young. But so it was it was kind of fun at that time, you know. It was This was going to be the new me. Now, I, I think part of my acceptance was the fact that I knew it was going to be permanent. And I think that more people struggle when they know it's temporary because then for them, they can't get into that mindset where... Yeah. You know, now it. I can now I can commit to it and kind of it's just more of an annoyance and they don't want to have to deal with it's it. It's an in between phase. Exactly. I, I feel like exactly. it's like wearing a cast. I was just gonna say that it's almost like that. You just find it annoying and it's like, what is this? I'm just I'm wasting my summer <laughs> right, doing this, right. right? But but when you have a permanent one, you you can move forward with that. Yeah, that's right. You can commit to it. You can move forward. You know learn what? all the information, and that information is going to carry you forward for many years. And I right? would have thought it would have been opposite. I thought I would have thought like the temporary people would be like, it's only temporary. Like, so, yeah. Some people it, are you know? towards the end of it. So when they say like in three weeks, I'm going to have a reversal, hallelujah, now it's a big celebration. But right. up until that time, a lot of the time it's uncertain when you're going to get a reversal or mm -hmm. if you're going to get a reversal, right? Because yeah, not, yeah. not everyone ends up with a reversal, mm -hmm. right? So for our listeners, that's really great to know. Like you're obviously not alone in this feeling. Yes. Clearly. Yeah. Did it go through your mind too that I'm having the ostomy now? Who knows? In 10 years, the appliances may be different. Everything may be easier. Everything's changing so quickly. Did you, did you, that give you hope? Did that, were you optimistic? It, in that that was exciting. Yeah. It was exciting for me and it still is because I know that there are advances. Uh, I know that there's, you know, there are people working mm -hmm. with 3D printed appliances now where they can what? actually mold your stoma and the shape of your abdomen around there. And then you can 3D print this wafer right. and that goes on your skin. So it gives you like a custom fit. So there's like oh new God. stuff like this that's being developed and new adhesives that are coming out. Yeah. I mean, there's always innovation. In this is this. like having a personal stylist who's going to It's like, very cool. Yeah, yeah. it's very cool stuff. So, you know, that that always I mean, I'm I'm a big nerd when it comes to technology and stuff like that. So that just interests me like crazy. I think that's fascinating right? too. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So, I know that, you know, in 10 years from now, it it can only get better. Right. It can only get easier. Um, and who knows, maybe adhesives are going to be so amazing that, you know, I wouldn't have to change an appliance for months at a time rather wow. than days at a time. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's always stuff like that that's, that's looming there that I know companies are working on and, and people are going to so develop So take us this, back so. to the surgery day. So you, you are mentally prepared. Your personal story, you're, you're mentally prepared, you're exhausted, you're tired of this, you want it over, you want your life back. I'm assuming you weren't working at this point. I had... I had remained working from home, oh, um, which was incredibly challenging to do. And I had to adapt to different technologies. And like at, when I started to get sick, iPads weren't really a thing. So right. as tablets started to come into, into the market, uh, I relied a lot on that kind of technology because for the most part, I couldn't really sit at a computer. Laying down was very you uncomfortable. Go to a I was, it was just very, Plus, very you must have not had a lot of like really quality waking time. No, and that's, yeah, and that's the thing. I would have like 15 good minutes 
just I'm get it done. I'm eating very much at this point. Uh, no, I was trying to eat. It just wouldn't happen. It wasn't happening for me. You were, this was like the epitome of suffering. Yeah, it was, it was bad. I mean, I, I didn't want my family to be around me. It was very challenging to just live in that space. Uh, I mean, I was co in constant pain and sometimes the pain would be so extreme, like I would have to yell out. Yeah, you know? I have to do that often and, as well. And like I have to make noise. I can't tell you why I have to make the noise, but I have to. Like mentally, I have to make yeah. the noise because it's, it's, it's the only way I know how to deal with the pain. Yeah. I grind so hard, I've broken molars in half. I'm missing a tooth because of pain. You know, I, I, I would, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, like I, I would get these spasms in my back and it was like really weird because they went away after the surgery. It's really amazing. But the, I would get these really intense spasms that would just put me like at a, at a standstill. And it was almost like if you watch movies of people getting tasered, that reaction that they have, that was Electric. the reaction that I would have because it was so intense and it would just lock up my whole body. And that went on for a while. Um, and after wonder, the surgery, that went away. <laughs> I wonder if that was referred pain. I learned the concept of referred pain because I had Crohn's disease, but you feel a pain somewhere, but that's not the or originating yeah, point of it. It's somewhere manifested that, somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. So, I wonder if it was maybe when your colon was removed, it took the pressure off. Possibly, because like I know that my, my colon was pretty inflamed and <laughs> bigger than it should be. And um, I would imagine it was putting pressure in places that probably shouldn't be pre putting pressure Holy on. Cow. But yeah, it was, I mean, it was just one thing after another. So your wife is wheeling you into Mount Sinai and you are just yes. like hallelujah to this day. Yes, yeah. And I remember that night, we actually stayed at a hotel in Toronto because I didn't want to have to wake up super early because the surgery was like at, I don't know, so seven early. in the morning yeah, or something. It was like super early, early right? Yeah. So we just stayed at a hotel there and like at 3 a.m. in this hotel, the fire alarm went off. And I just thought like, what a, what a perfect <laughs> kind of summary of this whole situation, yeah. right? So that, it was kind of like, it can't get any worse. Let's just do this, right? So it was, re it was really um, interesting getting in there. You know, the hospital staff was great. I got to speak with uh, an anesthesiologist. I saw my, my uh, surgeon before actually going in and, right. and, and being put under. So it was, it was a really great experience, very positive experience, but I just wanted it to be over. How long was your surgery about? Uh, you know what? My surgery, I was pretty loopy because of the anesthesia. I, I honestly don't remember most of that time. Right. Uh, and then actually on the, on the subsequent surgery when they had to remove my rectum, they had to adjust the anesthesia because I think they were overdoing it and, and the anesthesiologist explained what was happening if I can explain it, but it, it, essentially they thought I was waking up during the surgery, so they kind of double-dosed me. Oh. But that really locked, knocked me out. And even after like right, routine like colonoscopies, when I would be put under, I would, be, I would feel like hungover for like a week. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a really odd like side effect that I had. We had talking about colonoscopies, and I was saying like when you wake up and stuff, you oh, need no, to have someone to drive. It's you for home. like a week. Yeah, that's intense for me. But so like now, like if I were to get scoped through the stoma, which is a thing, right? I just say I don't want to be put under at all. I'll be awake through the thing. It doesn't matter. Right, of course. Because then at least I'm clear. I know I was saying I'm on our colonoscopy episode that during flex sigs I'll be awake, but colonoscopies I can't bear the pain. And if they're going through the mouth. You need to talk to Yeah, me that's, that's pretty Because I will boot you. That's pretty bad. <laughs> I just... <laughs> but so, so I, didn't, I, I, I didn't know how long the surgery was, yet. but it, it would have probably ended sometime early afternoon. So tell me when you are coherent enough, when yeah. you wake up, however long that was afterwards, what's, what's that? What is yeah, it? So what's I happening? remember the fir probably the, my first thought and, and probably the first thing that I had said 
was um, like no more Crohn's pains. Like that feeling like was I was expecting pain. Was it a feeling or was it pain. just your mental? No, I was expecting pain to be there because I had been so used to it. Right. That it just wasn't there. I mean, you're, you're sore from surgery. I was gonna say, you must have had pain. Oh yeah, yeah. Obvi obviously because you know, you're cut up and stuff. Uh, you're sore from the surgery, but it wasn't the same pain. So that was Especially my first Especially the pain thought. he went in with. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my first thought, and I, I, I probably said it to my somebody. My God, did you was cry? There. I would have just bawled my ass. Well, I, was, I mean, I was loopy, right? But <laughs> I, 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 was just trying, I was just trying to absorb it all. Like, yeah. this, is, this is unreal, right? Something that you've grown so accustomed to. You, you're you're kind of used to living with the pain, but yeah. when the pain is gone, you notice that it's not there, right? But yeah, it was just just realizing that, and I thought, man, this is this is really cool. So, what was your what did, was the pain that you did experience? Because I've I've met people who you know have had surgery and they weren't as they weren't in the the, the suffering that you were at at that point. Mm -hmm. It was coming, and it was going to get to that point, um, but they weren't there yet. So, describe what. What was the pain of the surgery afterwards? Like, how did you feel? Have you had other surgeries or yeah. was this your only experience? So I had that, I, that and then uh, when my rectum was removed. But leading up to this, this was your first surgery. My first, yeah, abdominal right. surgery, anything like yeah. that, absolutely. Right. But um, so they couldn't do the laparoscopic surgery on me because <laughs> the colon was so inflamed that they couldn't actually pull it out of the hole that they would make so doing the laparoscopic. So they had to make an incision. So they had to make an incision. So I had to I have a nice big... Uh, cut down my abdomen, but no, that's not in the same place as your stoma. No, it's it's str like straight down the middle. Oh, okay. okay. Like through the belly button. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, the pains I would say would would probably be the worst when you were coughing or laughing. Uh, Anytime you like, like engage, you know those stomach like muscles, the muscle spasm, then it would right? be a very sharp pain. But I wouldn't say it was intolerable, right? It was. And I mean, was nothing like. <laughs> Not so much pain where the stoma was. Yeah. So I had complications from my incision, so it actually ended up opening up. Oh. So oh, that yeah. I had to kind of go back, and they had to stitch that up again. So that was kind of an annoyance for me. But right. I was just so happy that I didn't have to deal with the regular Crohn's pains. That it was like. Like, no bother for me. You know, it hurt. Yeah, it was sore. You know, it couldn't do certain bending and movement. But you I know can't what? even so imagine this. Like, it, it's so funny. We just, it's not funny, but this. we talk about this. Chantel and I talk about like getting a cold as normal people <laughs> sick. Yeah. So it was like healthy people sick. Normal people pain. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not. You know, right, right. No, like I know. The, not everybody's going for surgery all the time, but in that way that you're like, yeah, I can deal with this pain because this pain isn't that pain. Yeah, yeah. For someone who's like never had thing, any right? kind of uh, illness or anything like that, the surgery would probably be very uncomfortable right. and, and painful. But for me, it was like on a, like <laughs> a two out of ten yeah, compared to what I've what well, I've experienced. I said this, right? Like when you live with chronic pain, like me having Crohn's and ulcerative colitis and having you know ankylosing spondylitis and fibromyalgia and now all this. Chiari malformation and an aneurysm in my brain and everything else that's messing up with me recently. I'm sure you've seen it on my social media. Like I have said before in episodes, like I, I don't remember my life before my diagnosis. I remember snippets of my life. Like I remember being in middle school and elementary school and high school and parts of university and parties I went to and things like that. But it's not associated to an emotion or a feeling. I cannot remember my emotions or my feelings yeah. before my diagnosis. I don't know what it's like to not be in pain. And sometimes my your pain becomes normal. I, that sounds crazy. And it's, you don't realize it until you go see a doctor and your doctor starts asking about the symptoms that you're having. And you know, or you see a new doctor and you tell them, like when they were asking me about my headaches and they said, you know, how often do you have headaches? And I said, you know, daily, every couple of hours. And like he would kind of stopped and was like, you're having headaches all day long, all the time. And I was like, yeah, so? 
And he's looking at me as if to say, this is not normal. Like, it's not until somebody tells you, like, what you're going through is not normal that you're like. Yeah. Of course it's not normal. Yeah. Like, but I don't realize that it's not normal because it's been 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? So I, I, I hear you when you say, like, my pain before was, I love when they ask you, what's your pain at a scale of 10? Lady. Really? Like, it's an 11. (laughs) It's funny, actually. uh, Funny, funnier or not, I don't know. But, you know, like you're sent home usually with painkillers. And and I think I had, they had sent me home with morphine or something. I didn't touch them. I I was so used to having high pain that it was kind of like, why would I even, I don't need to, I don't need to dull this. Before you went home. So I think they had me in for I believe five days, which is a little longer than usual for that, that kind of surgery. That's your incision. No, oh. um, so they want you to have an active stoma before you leave the hospital. Which means you need to be going to the bathroom. Yeah, the the, the stoma has to be outputting something. So you need to be eating. You need to be eating. Um, Solids then. What's coming out of you has to preferably be less than what you're taking in. So fluids, they have you measure like the quantity. Right, which makes sense. They absorbing. want to see if you're right, absorbing. Right. So for me, my stoma was too, um, it was it was too active. Okay. So they, they wanted to make sure that, you know, I could slow that down either through eating or, or whatnot. So now was that, that would be an indication that your small intestine is not doing its part? No, that that's just a risk factor for like, dehydration and, okay. and stuff like that because okay. you don't you don't want to be losing more fluids than you're so you're you were on in. a special diet then so well i was on whatever i could eat then oh right? they didn't give you specific which is so <laughs> rare do. right they, no they do but i mean i i couldn't eat anything up until that point right so they they they, they do have like a post-surgery uh diet plan which is you know very low fiber that sort of thing of course of course like mashed potatoes that sort yeah, of thing yeah yeah right? Love potatoes. Um, so, so they had me on that. And what's, what's funny was the thing that got me to slow down the output was potato chips. Oh so my, we actually, talked about potato chips. Yeah. Whenever I flare and they allow me to eat, so my first thing I could eat was a cracker. I licked <laughs> it and bit the corner. It was the most amazing moment of my life after almost six weeks of not having anything by mouth. And then they just kept loading me with potato chips. I was like, what is happening right now? So they give, oh. uh, they give post, post op stoma patient or uh, ostomy patient potato chips. Well, that, that was that was actually kind of through like the vending machine because it was yeah. like look what else what else can you eat what else do you want whatever and, and they and just want to get food in you well see i didn't have want, surgery yeah, things to calm down right, right. but it's so the fattiness you, right? too of potato chips i didn't have surgery i've never had surgery but the potato chips is like my common diet when they after they <laughs> take me on bowel rest like so no fluids no um food by mouth everything through iv when i slowly come off of that they start with like the broth my first solid food is like cracker and potato chips because the fat too like I, I you I always lose a lot of weight during a flare so it helps put a lot of your fat back on it's mm-hmm. delicious mm-hmm. obviously so Sounds I'm just delicious. gonna eat it well that's the thing it's 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 like the perfect food for it's like perfect. an ileostomate after surgery because and and I tried to justify this by making it a positive thing even though potato <laughs> chips aren't healthy or good for you but if you think about it, they're high in sodium, Absolutely. which is something ileostomates it's need. It's going to help absorb yeah. a lot of your fluid. Yeah, because you're losing a lot of sodium uh, through the stoma because your yeah. colon isn't there to reabsorb it, right? Uh, they tend to be fairly high in potassium, which is good because it balances out the electrolytes. They have calories, which you're going to need, right? Absolutely. They slow down your output. They're easy to digest. I mean, it's like a perfect food yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't so unhealthy. All <laughs> hail potato so, chips. <laughs> Thank you, potato chips. So that was one thing that I, I didn't mind having after surgery 
pantry, uh, you know, for for several weeks. And uh, fries was another thing that I oh, that I really oh enjoyed because that again that slowed down the output, and I could justify having I did, unhealthy I said food. Earlier, so. I said, love potatoes. I love potatoes. I love potatoes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so that was that was kind of funny, but yeah, they wanted to to make sure that I wasn't gonna go home and then come back to the hospital within a few days because I, you know, uh, with dehydration. So that's why you were there five days. Yeah, I think. What would it normally be like? A I think three usually days? it's like three days, something like that. If your stoma wakens up like right away, and usually okay. what'll happen is you'll you'll notice like gas. Okay. Right, and then as you eat more, it'll just. Start outputting. Balance itself, okay. Yeah, and then hopefully it's not going to be more than what you're taking in. Uh, so once they know that that's all good, then you can go home. So how was your experience of waste coming through your stoma for the first time versus the <laughs> your rectum? Like, do you have the urge to go to the bathroom? Like, oh, I guess you wouldn't because that's the urge comes from colon, large colon, doesn't it? Yeah, so, right. right the, the <laughs> While I was in the hospital, the first time it started to kind of show signs of life. Right. I had my, my phone there taking a video and one of the nurses walked in and she's like, what are you doing? Are you taking a video? I said, yeah, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So uh, your appliance is clear. Cause I know you so, can get appliances that are opaque yes. and they're, you know, they have patterns on them. I, yeah, I actually had two so, bags okay. out of the surgery cause one of them was a mucus fistula. Oh, okay. So that had to collect yes, yes, um, yes. Other, other, other fluids. Okay. And then I had my stomach. And is that just a post-op thing? Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that, that eventually just ended up closing up on right. itself and okay. then it, it was oh, on okay. bottle, right? Okay. That was like the coolest thing. Now the output after surgery was very much bile so it was like very like dark green okay really strong offensive odor like i found it really offensive okay compared to like regular poop so were you worried honestly. that this was what it's going to be now well or did I, they I was kind of like how you? the hell am i going to do this because i can't even stomach uh, yes. having to empty my bag at this point i could see so that was that was a challenge for me uh and plus i was really nauseated after the surgery you know again because of the and anesthesia yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. like for me i was like on any nausea medication like just but it wasn't really doing much. So um, one of the stomaners had given, had introduced me to like deodorants, right? Pouch deodorants, room sprays, that sort of thing. So you you were noticing the smell even before you emptied? No, what, only when emptied. Only you you when shouldn't you notice emptied. any smell normally. It captures everything. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, but when you go to empty it, especially because it was kind of like a high high volume, well, I guess like it's a lot of bile. Like going to the was, bathroom as well, yeah. right? Like you. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of off putting to me, but mm -hmm. things changed as, you know, I started more being able to eat more and things, yeah, kind of balanced out. And then Can there's I no ask, bile. Is the bile a product of the surgery it, or is it a product of the absence suddenly of the diseased intestine? Is yeah, it... so like we, our bodies produce bile, I think it's like to, to, to digest fats, to it break is. down fats, That's right? Exactly so when you don't have a colon there, there's a lot of <laughs> footage that the bile right. isn't being like reabsorbed and this and that. And you know, it's being kind of like just all coming out right at the at the entry point. Right. And it's like in its purest form. Right. Right. Now, as you eat, that kind of better. all, yeah, it kind of gets it, mixed up and, and yeah. whatever. So you don't notice it. Like I don't notice that anymore. But if I were to fast, then mm. I'll notice the bile. It'll come back again. Starting to come Until out. Until you start to eat. Yeah, so. So do you feel waste being eliminated as you would feel waste being eliminated from your rectum? Uh, most of the time, no. Okay. Uh, sometimes, yes. Okay. Now, it depends, for me, it depends on how thick the output is, right? But this is like going to the bathroom. Like, if you go and eat, like, yeah. tacos, 
spicy kind of, food. Yeah, it kind of is. It's and probably then, not as satisfying. Like you're feeling. <laughs> we're, we're, right, we're, we're really getting. I'm really, so glad you said that because sometimes going to the bathroom is very satisfying. Like thank God I feel amazing. <laughs> I've just lost all this stuff. <laughs> but there is a feeling there now. Our our stoma actually doesn't have any nerves that, that can feel. So you, I can touch my stoma and I wouldn't know that I was touching my stoma. Oh my goodness, I did not know that before. Yeah. Is that just, is that stoma or is that intestine related? Yeah. Well, your intestine wouldn't have those nerves, right? And, and muscle, a stoma right? is essentially an, an intestine flipped Folded inside over. out. Right. Uh, so no, it, oh God, if our, if our intestines had nerves and feelings, forget, surgery. oh yeah, we, we couldn't probably tolerate anything passing through it. Uh, so when we feel pain from IBD, that's because the linings, all those layers that don't have nerves are like basically eroded away and ulcerated and it gets to parts that do have nerves and that's what hurts. Or they're just the inflammation pressing on other organs. Like I've had my intestine swollen so much that I was putting pressure on my pancreas yes. and my kidneys. And yes. That, that was causing me the pain. Yeah, but yeah. the stoma itself doesn't have any nerve ending. So if, if, if you have like loose or liquid output, you don't really feel it at all. Now you may hear gas or feel gas, and a lot of people experience and experience that. Like a that. fart, do you mean? Yeah, like a fart. Okay. Um, so that you notice, mm -hmm. you hear it and, and you notice it. But Normal. as far as like going to the bathroom, you don't really feel that. At least I don't. Ninety percent of the time. So you sort of are missing a little bit of that satisfaction, feeling good after a good right, morning, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, now, having said that, if you have a blockage or anything like that that's prohibiting the output from coming out. Then you feel it. Then it becomes like cramping. Painful. Like you get, get cramping. You get pain. Usually, it's behind the stoma. So, is this um, considered like constipation? Like the same thing as someone who's just with a full colon would be constipated? That kind of pain pressure? Yeah, you, you probably there's probably more pain. I, I don't remember like if I was ever constipated. I don't remember it being painful. It was uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. But I don't remember it being painful. So and, it's that and, pent up, that sharp pain. Yes. Yes. And is that is that a, do you experience that frequently? Um, I, I experience partial blockages once in a while. Okay. And that really depends on what I'm eating and how I'm eating I was gonna it say, and is that stuff related? like that. Some people experience it all the time and that's sometimes a mechanical issue. Right, okay. Um, you know, they, they may have strictures or they may have some kind of- So they have to go back in and do some type of surgery to fix it. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's just modifying the diet so that it's like super easy to digest. Mm -hmm. You know, and that usually helps. But if it's ongoing and it's like constantly problematic and they're constantly in the hospital for blockages, then they may have their stoma revised. Right. And that sometimes helps, right? And you haven't had that? No. You've had no my stoma's been functioning the way it should, so. So why did they decide then to go back and remove your rectum afterwards? The, the, the Crohn's disease focused a lot on my colon. Mm -hmm. Your but, large colon. Yes. Yeah. But it had a lot to do with my uh, rectum and the areas leading up to the rectum. That's the whole perianal part you were discussing. Yes. So I had fistulas and fissures and abscesses, and it was just like a Even nightmare. Even after surgery? Uh, no, after surgery, things calmed down. Because there was nothing going there. Like, it's not as active. So they took out the entire colon, which is like, the large colon is what, two to three feet? Usually? Yeah, it's pretty, I don't, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I wouldn't know. But yeah. it, it is pretty long. It's probably longer than that, actually. It's, it is. They know the small intestine is like. Um, but, you know, that part wouldn't serve a purpose for me. Like if, if for example, you have UC and right. there's a chance that you could get maybe a J pouch or, you know, some kind of rever reversal, uh, then they they'll keep that, they, they leave that. They keep it intact. And if it's, you know, if things are healthy enough, then they'll, then they'll use it again. But right. for me, it was just so problematic that I would just constantly be in a state of inflammation that there was no reason at Why all to keep, need it, to keep it. Right, no reason at all. Because nothing's ever going back there. Yeah, I would, I would be managing it all the time. 
if if it were to, to be in place. So that was just something we, we decided off the bat, it's gonna go now. Oh, so you knew when you were going in for your surgery, your initial surgery, that you were gonna have to go back for another one? Oh yeah, and that was okay. part of the plan actually, because okay. they don't wanna do it in one shot. It's not no, safe, not. it's not, That's it's not good for you. There's, yeah, there's a lot of, of, of complications that can come up. So we knew this was gonna be a two part thing. Uh, I think some people even have three parts, depending on what's being done. If there's right. a reversal, there's three. But for me, it was a two-part thing, and that was fine. I was totally fine. Now, the second surgery, I wasn't I wasn't so gung-ho about the whole thing because I was feeling better by <laughs> yeah. that point. You know, it was a lot better than what I was so months before. So this is becoming before. like a nuisance to your regular schedule. So, yeah, so now it was kind of like, oh, man, I got to go back in for another surgery. It was more like, ah, oh, well. But you know what? It had to be done. Because even by that point, it was still problematic, even though... You weren't using it anymore. Yeah, even though symptomatically it had calmed down, it was still a problem. Right. You know, there, there were still issues with that. So it was kind of like, yeah, let's let's do the whole thing. So I had that in the the November following right. that. Right. So and it was really was just few months. was what month? It was August. August, okay. Yeah. Oh, so it wasn't that long? No, it wasn't that long. Then? No, it okay, wasn't that okay. long. And we felt it was probably best to do it in the winter anyway, so that by the time I'm recovered... Weather will be getting better, yeah. and, you know, whatever, Absolutely. right? I, I, I was going to be inside for the winter and I'll just recover there. Yeah. Now that surgery, I would have to say, was harder than the first surgery. Wow. Partly because... Because you weren't as I much wasn't, mentally prepared? No, because I, was, I wasn't coming from a place of pain uh, yeah, getting into yes. it. But also, that surgery involved having to have a wound vac attached to me for What's like four or five weeks. What's a wound vac? So a wound vac is, is actually a really cool technology. It's a vacuum for your wound? Yes, if it works. Okay. If it, if it works. If it works. Now, and I'll, I'll explain the if it works part in a second, but essentially what a wound vac does is it applies negative pressure to a wound. So it's actually like a vacuum. It's so a it's little sucking. vacuum that it's pulling, it's sucking. It, it, it creates a vacuum. Yeah. Um, and there's like a sponge that's there that helps to collect fluid and it kind of sucks things through that sponge. So its and the purpose idea, is to collect the fluid that's coming? Well, that negative pressure yeah. helps new tissue to regrow to very heal. quickly. Yeah. So some people oh. with like extreme, like if you look at videos of like wound vac applications, yeah. you see some really bad like lacerations and deep wounds. Mm that are being um, healed that way. So it's a really cool technology. I've never even heard of this. Yeah, so it, it's not, it's not something that I this. hear a lot of people doing <laughs> like, with this type of surgery when they have the rectum removed. Usually right. they'll get stitched up or, or something right, right, like right. that. Or, or maybe the wound will be packed and then it'll just heal oh, on its right, own. Right, right. But for me, we went with the wound vac, let's, okay. let's see. And now, if had it had worked as planned, would have been amazing because it would have been a, a faster recovery. So this uh, means better, it did not work. It didn't. So my wound vac was the biggest pain in the ass I could ever imagine because it was constantly telling me there's no suction, there's no suction. And when this thing says there's no suction, it doesn't just tell you like Siri does. There's an alarm that's just constantly going on. There's no oh suction. There's just, so all night, all day, and it's like, what is going on so with this thing? This no. So I actually had nurses coming to attend uh, to the wound. They would change the uh, the dressing for it and stuff like that. And I would it's like when your IV say, machine starts beeping in the hospital and the nurse is yeah, like, but it's like, ten times happening? worse. And What's it was happening? so annoying because it, like it would make noises. Car when it was alarm of oh my god! I I was just what is going on? This can't be right. <laughs> so we thought, okay, let's let's redo everything. And so part of the wound vac process is they would have this. Um, film, this big adhesive film that goes onto your skin, and then there would be a sponge that would be packing the wound, and then there would like be a tube coming out of that. 
that adhesive was so uncomfortable to get off and it was Ugh. itchy all the time and it was just horrible. So is that vacuum permanently connected to you during this process? So you could take it off. Okay. But so it actually had a tube that you can disconnect. So like if you wanted to have a shower and right, you didn't right, want right. to, and you didn't want to have the machine kind of like there, like outside but of the it's bathtub. Recommend you want to have this hooked up as often but as it possible. But it, has, it, yeah. Yeah, it had to be on like, creating suction 24 hours a day. You can't escape, you can't spend the whole day in the shower yeah, trying to avoid the wound. It's gonna be in here. <laughs> right, wanna, I'm still showering. So it wasn't until like four weeks in or something like that, that we had said, okay, let's let's get the manufacturer involved because this isn't normal. So they actually had the, the, the vacuum unit swapped out and then it was perfect for like a week. But then by then I went to go see my surgeon. But it was too long. After and the well, what what ended up happening was because it wasn't doing what it was supposed to, there was actually like a little channel that was forming in the wound. Uh, so that had to be separately packed. And then they said, Let, let's get you off the vac because that's not going to fix that. Oh, what a process. So, so yeah, basically so then I had the every, everything that can go wrong with this wound vac is going well, wrong. Well, it probably did half a job, but it's it it would have been so much better if it just worked. Right. Uh, so then, then I had like a home care nurse come so in. So then you just... went back to uh, recovering as you would if you didn't choose to have a, <laughs> yeah, a wound back. As if I didn't, yeah. yeah. So I had home care nurses back in. And so this process went on for a little while. And my wound took like a very long time to heal. Sometimes people will say, well, you know, like six months and it's like totally healed. Some people will say like a couple months it's totally healed. Then I talk to some people and they're like, no, a couple years later, it's still kind of not healed. And I'm kind of in that Do you feel this is because we have IBD and like our I don't know. immune? I don't know. It could be. I mean, right. yeah. I mean, there was a lot of disease in that area. So who knows? So you still feel like you're still healing? So even now it's not, com I wouldn't say it's completely healed. I should probably go and have a revision or something done to it. Um, that's not something I want to do right now, to yeah, be honest, because I know it's another off. process. We sleep it off. It's another just, process. Yeah, have a sleep. <laughs> but it, it's something uh, inevitably I'm going to have to go and revisit. Right. You know it's coming. So how, how many, just, just so we can get it clear in our heads, how many years ago did you have the surgery? The, so that was four, four years, years, ago. years ago. Then followed up two and a half months later with the second surgery. Yeah. yeah. And then you're looking at one more, maybe. Probably, yeah. yeah. It really depends on what they want to do. I don't right. think it would be as evasive, but it would still be some kind of, from what I understand, they would kind of scrape that area right. so that it's like raw so, again and then have that heal, heal again. <laughs> now that yeah. could go both ways, right? It, could, it yeah. could heal the way it should or it could be problematic again. Absolutely. And create more complications. So that's, again, that's not something I want to do right now. <laughs> Who knows, you know, because if you wait in five more years, they could have a bionic colon ready for you and just put it like right in. You know in. what, as he was saying before, like his, the difference. lift snowmobiles off people. The, di <laughs> the difference between first and second surgery as well is like being mentally prepared. I, I 100%, you I know? understand so that. So if that. you're not mentally prepared for this third, you know, surgery, you, because you now it's like it. going from yeah. extremely well and readjusted to your life now. Yeah. Before I had nothing. I was doing yeah. nothing but being sick, yeah. really. Right? right. I was Absolutely. just doing nothing but being mm -hmm. sick. I, I didn't have these big plans to do anything. It was not like, hey, let's go, you know, for... No, I was nothing like that. I couldn't do that. So for me, it was like, let's just throw a surgery in, whatever. It's yeah. going to only get better. So sure. once you got home and you started to heal after the second surgery, how did your life change? Because I feel like there's always this negative association to, there's, there's a stigma attached to IBD right away. Then there's extra stigma attached to, you know, 
having, you know, that quote bag at your side, like there's so much stigma associated with that. So just, and I know we'll talk about this in another episode, but just generally like post-surgery, the healing process has now subsided. And where are you? How are you? Yeah. So are yes. you happy? So like I said, going into the surgery, I, you know, essentially had to be wheelchaired in. Yeah. About a month after the stoma was put in place, so the first surgery, the first surgery so like literally like f five weeks, something like that, I was on a 5K hike. Oh my God. It was Can you that imagine this? dramatic. Like take that in for a yeah, second. It was that dramatic. And then like fast forward like a year later, two years later, you know, I'm at Canada's Wonderland doing 22K walks around the park like every weekend. You know, I, I it, there there is that, um, I mean, that's amazing. There is that thing I think that happens with surgery when it's on your gut. And I think probably a lot of people listening who are post-op, any operation can relate to that there is a point in it where you think you're gonna die. You know, mm -hmm. the pain is so significant, it's so intense. You don't know if you're gonna have any quality of life left. So I can really relate to that being two years later and looking at your life and realizing how far you've come. I, I mean, I've heard a lot of people surgery for IBD. They've given me, they've told me their doctors have looked at them and said, you have two options. You can decide to have the surgery and have a bag or you'll be in a box. Yeah. Yeah. And my, yeah, like, my, you know, bless him. My, my GI was very, um, how should we say it? He, he, he wasn't beating around the bush. Let's Good, just say that. To, because right from, from yeah, he, like. he had to tell me what I needed to hear. That's right. And that kind of set things in motion. Yeah. Because for me, I was perfectly fine just being sick and enduring the pain and let's just take it one. I didn't want to do surgery. I didn't want to do it. Because there's that just like fear associated Yeah, because I didn't know what that meant. And I, and I remember- It's the unknown. The first uh, appointment that I had kind of like just to see where I was at with my surgeon before the surgery, she, you know, she would ask things like, why do you think you need the surgery? So, you know, we would kind of answer that. But I had questions for her. Mm. Like, will I be able to go for walks around the block with my wife? with this bag thing? And will I be able to drive with this bag thing? And like, yeah, do I have you know, to yeah, change the clothes I wear? And she said, yeah, no, you'll be able to do those things. Had I known at that time what she meant by that, because I had no idea. And you think like, it's yeah, I'll be able question, to do those right? things, and then kind of like the asterisks, and then like read the fine print, <laughs> right? Yeah. But it wasn't like that. It was, it was such a dramatic difference that I would've, it would've just never dawned on me it would've been that dramatic. Now, now, leading I, up to I don't understand that. I just wanna make sure that I understand that clearly. You said, had you really understood that, yeah. you, like in a positive way, it yes. would be so good? Yes, okay. yeah. yeah. So like me going back now, you know, four years and saying, okay, do you wanna have the surgery? Absolutely, sign me up now, let's go. What time do you wanna have it? I would've been so ready to do it right yeah. then and there. Yeah. Right. But you know, when, when you're going through the patient experience, that's not the first thing no, on your mind. Not. The first thing on your mind isn't, yeah, let's go get surgery. We have to learn the hard way in that. In that. You have to go through the How steps. How much is my normal gonna be changed? Yes. How much Can am, I... I, am I gonna wear the, the, the stigma of a post-op patient? Yeah. yeah, and it's, it yeah. wasn't even that. For me, it was, you know, can I do this without medication? Can I do this without having to resort to going on a biologic? Can I do that? So that was kind of like, I had to go through that process. So were you taking medication leading up to the surgery? Yes. And post-surgery, are you taking medication? No. So right after, wait, hang on. 
whoa, whoa, whoa. Right after the surgery, did you like wean off the medication? Or like it was like, I've woken up from surgery and I'm no longer taking medication? So the last meds that I had been on leading up to the surgery was part of that clinical trial. So I had been on okay. a biologic and oh, then prednisone. Okay. Oh, prednisone. Actually, it was prednisone, oh. then the biologic. Prednisone. But prednisone, I mean, that's a whole new topic, but prednisone had such severe side effects for me, me too. that I said I would never go on it again. That's I don't care exactly if it, I don't care I if it saves right my now. life. I will not go on it again. Yeah, me too. So when we were when we were kind of having the conversations after the trial and kind of talking about the surgery, uh, I said, let's be real here. You can put me on experimental drugs, right? I know you can put me on some off-label stuff. Is it gonna do anything for me six months down the road or a year? Are, are things gonna get better to the point where surgery is, is right. gonna be totally avoided? And the answer was really no, it's not. You're just gonna delay it for right. me the because my, my colon was so bad, right. the perianal disease was so you know out of control, there was so much damage there that even if we stopped the damage, it would still, it would, still be the there. damage was already done. Yeah. Yeah. Already so for me, it was kind of like, okay, do I want to just prolong this another three months to let's say six months at best on an experimental drug that who knows might have other side effects? I, I just didn't want to do it. You, you know, at that point past, I was tired. Your, your colon had, it went past the point of- Yeah, I, I was return. tired. So let's, let's yeah. explore surgery. So and when then, you woke up, you didn't have to take medication after this, that was it? Yeah, so well, f I failed on medication, right? It didn't right, work so it wasn't for me. Anyways. So, so how how we left it was, you know, if you start having symptoms again, come in. We'll do a scope. If anything is different, then we'll explore options. Now, since my surgery, we've had these new drugs come out, new biologics come mm -hmm. out. So there now, I I do have options. I have more options than I did before. Mm -hmm. So you know, knock on wood, if I ever had to go back on medication, there so are you're new not drugs. On meds. No. There are new drugs now that I have available that I could go on. Lisa and I, by the way, when he when Eric just said that he was not on meds, we just looked at each other <laughs> with like this amazing, like, <sighs> like it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it really is incredible to think that you, the body, uh, can do such uh, incredible healing. You know, to to get back the quality of your like, I'm sitting looking at you right now. I would never guess that you were an ostomate. I would never guess that unless I knew you. So like to see this quality of life and yeah. know that you're uh, medication free, it's very encouraging. I mean, we, we'll put a it's, picture with the three of us on, uh, on our, our Facebook, Facebook page. page. But I mean, congratulations. Do you it's, still, just before we close, you know, do you still feel like you have I know you, you say you sometimes have complications <clears throat> with the stoma in terms of blockages. Do you still feel like you are having IBD-related flares? Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's the thing. So probably for two years, three years maybe after surgery, it was always in the back of my mind, like, hey, this is temporary. Right. This, it may be a permanent stoma. Like the disease will come but back. But this is probably just temporary because there are risk factors, right? Especially with Crohn's disease. People with UC have better luck, mm -hmm. but that's not to say they're they're completely trouble-free, no. like, you know, they never have to worry about anything like that. I have friends who have, who've had a stoma or have a stoma or, or have a J pouch and have UC, and they still have problems because of IBD through extra intestinal yeah. manifestations and that sort of thing. But Crohn's disease is so insidious in how it attacks the body. Uh, I was very lucky that it was only going after it's my so colon. Specific. Yeah. Well, for me, it was yeah. it was only going after the colon. It didn't affect my small intestine. It didn't. Now I had extra intestinal manifestations in my mouth mm -hmm. and me things too. like that You're on just... my skin. Mm -hmm. um, but fortunately, my small bowel was spared. None of that was involved. 
But there's always a risk factor there with Crohn's so disease. So even after your surgery, you've discovered for you personally that your extraintestinal manifestations have went away? You don't get ulcers in your mouth anymore. You don't have the skin um, boils and blisters and like not no not the way they not the way I did. I did have joint pains for some time, right? Which is definitely IBD. Yeah, that is. I had joint pains for 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 quite some time afterwards. Yeah, and and you know even still I may have some problems like with my back I, where I feel like a back spasm, almost like what I had before. But then you know kind of like let's Subside. rest this out and 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 it'll go away kind of thing. But um, I mean there's no gut there, so there's no I don't have those feelings anymore. Right. <laughs> you know or those I mean? symptoms. Those symptoms anymore. Right. Uh, but again, it's, it's, it's always on the back of my mind that this could come back. So your life now is so. clearly a 180 as to what it was, you know, post sure. pre-surgery. And, you know, for our listeners, those, we, we have listeners who could be, you know, people download our episodes from all over the world, mm -hmm. and there could be somebody right now listening to this episode who's been, who's been told they should have the surgery, and they're 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 in that set that you were. Is there another drug I could take instead first? Is there another way? And your message is clear. This has been such a positive outcome experience for you. Hmm. This has changed your life. This has changed your life. Yeah. Yeah. And arguably saved your life. Oh yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. There's the the the, the path that I was on. I probably wouldn't be here today because I was just so, I was in such bad shape. You were deteriorating, oh, essentially. Yeah. And, and I, I think I weighed, I, when I was sick, like just before the surgery, I was like 108 pounds. And how tall are you? I'm like five foot 10. Oh, and my I was life. anemic. I can't. And it, you know, like it was just, it was, there was no, <laughs> there was no alternative but yeah. to have the surgery. You, you were know? dying, Eric, yeah. essentially. Oh yeah. And, my, and, my, and, and that's why I said my GI was very forthcoming in saying, look, I cannot have you as a patient if you're not going to do these things because you will not be alive in five years. You, and you, know you what's won't important? live to see your 40th, you know, that sort of thing. And it was, it was like, yeah, you know what? I see that now, you know, I really do. And I think what's important too to point out, you know, not everybody may get to the point that Eric was at before he had his surgery. Yeah. But like the message that should be taken here is don't let yourself get to that point. Yes. Yeah. Like if you're given... If you are given the advice from a medical doctor that, you know, you should have this surgery, there is that fear associated to it. But really do try to move forward in a positive way and just, like, listen to Eric's story. You know, go to his website, veganostomy.ca. Go get online. Go to Facebook pages and just hear the stories of people who have had surgeries yeah. and whose lives have turned around yeah. before they've gotten to a point where it's so awful. Eric, one word, like one thing you have to say about your life right now is there, how would you describe your day to day? Well, I, I have a life now, you know, I have a life. I, I, would you I, use the word normal, that word? Would I use normal? Probably. I mean, there are, there. That's so huge. It's just like having, <laughs> it's just like having a wheelchair or something like that. There, I have to still manage my appliance. I still have to pre-plan things. There are still things that get in the way because of it. But, but nothing compared to before. But I mean, I can go out with my family now. You know, I can go and get groceries now on my own. And go Whereas on before it was like not possible, mm -hmm. you know. What's, so, your, what's your optimism and hope factor at? like for the rest of your life now? Well, you know, knowing that things can only get better as far as appliances go and thing, and, and techn medical technology and, and even medication, if it, if it comes to that and I have to get back on medication, I have uh, at least hope that things are gonna be so much better down the road. So for me, they're, 
it's very optimistic in that right. sense. You know, it's very optimistic in that sense. Now, I do want to I do want to bring up one point. I know before we we close here, I was very lucky to have the care that I had at Mount Sinai and the follow-ups and that sort of thing. I I run into a lot of people don't who message me from all over the world who don't have access to any information when they get out of the hospital, and it's it's shocking that they literally are left to le they're, they're, they leave the hospital That's and it. they don't even know how to change their appliance, yeah. manage their appliance what to eat, things like that, post-surgery. And it's very scary um, that people have to go through that. So I would, I would say- They have themselves and they yes. might not even know to do that. Yeah, I would say if you're, if you're looking at the surgery and you don't have like a, an amazing hospital, find stoma nurses in your area. I know there are teleservices now that you can speak it's to. It's terrible stoma that nurses. you have to do all of this personal advocation. To oh get, yeah. But you have to do it. You, you have, have to do to. it. And it's out there. If you find it, you can find it. Yes. yes. And I say all the time, knowledge is power. Yeah. Get yourself equipped. Do like their doctors won't, unfortunately are not going to line everything up for you. Yeah. And, You've and, got to do and it. at the very least, if you, if you don't have access to a nurse, if you don't have access to like a top level hospital, find advocates yes. who can at least um, explain what things are, you know, and a lot of the content that I create is kind of like beginner's guides, right? Like, like what does this accessory do? What is this apply? So you, you kind of learn about what's available and kind of how to, how to use them because I know some people just aren't given that education in the hospital or, or out. So, you know, if you educate yourself and you kind of know what to expect, when something does happen, if you do have a leak, you, you're better prepared, right. you know, to handle that. So, you know, right. those are things that I think would be important for anyone who's considering the surgery or about to have the surgery. Just become more educated and, and make those connections Eric, whenever you can. Thank so. you so much. Yes. Veganostomy.ca. This is has the been like just so educational yeah. for me and eye-opening, and I feel so positive and hopeful about all of this. So, you know, Eric's got his website, veganostomy.ca. He's on Instagram at vegan underscore ostomy. He's got a Facebook page, veganostomy. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel, veganostomy. Yeah. So <laughs> subscribe, like, follow, check yeah. him out. Get educated people. Whether you've got IBD or not, whether you are an ostomate or not, um, just expand your horizons. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, strength and positive thoughts. Guts and Glory is produced by Bang Albino Inc., a full-service creative agency. 